Hey. Hi. <laughs> Weird day, huh? Yeah. Yeah. It's 60 degrees. It's 60 degrees and it's February. Eighth. Eighth. Right? It's fifth. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) This is what happens when you get more (laughs) woo-woo. You forget what time and day it is. Um, Oh, man. We had such good banter before we recorded. (laughs) I wish next time, like. Just don't talk. Yeah. Immediately start. (laughs) Well. Immediately start. So, but I think we know what to talk about, which. Right. Money. 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 Should we should we say welcome to another episode of at as woo woo as you want right is that the to name be? to be <laughs> no, 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 no. As, no 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 you did that last okay. episode <laughs> <laughs> well you know hey um welcome to another episode hello hi thanks for joining us again <sighs> we're gonna talk about money we both feel pretty weird today. Yeah. Yeah. The struggle of financial stability. Yeah. When you work a job well, that is not that way. Yeah. What's a nice kind of bridge between the last episode and this one is money is energy. Mm, true. So, you know, episode two was all about energy. We talked a little bit about attraction and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And this is, I guess, the practical way of putting it into our world. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Creating abundance and then actually having the money. Yeah. And also the fact that you are your money in this weird way. Right. It's so tied to your security. Yeah. And your, like, self-worth. It's so anxious. It's so anxiety-producing. It's so anxiety-producing. Um... Oh, man. So why are we talking about money? Well, mm. uh, things have been pretty... I'm just going to say. Yeah, I'm go, just going to go. I'm just going to say it. So I have been on a pretty crazy money journey. Um, uh, as you know, my uh, one of my favorite spiritual teachers, Tosha Silver, she... Um, she offered a, she actually is, so this is why this is coming up is because she released this book called It's Not Your Money um, mm-hmm. uh, this week and uh, she had a free call. So we were just, when Celine walked into the uh, room, uh, money's on my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I got my money on my mind. He was my, also eating a really good sandwich. Yeah, I was eating a sandwich. It felt Trying nice. to save money. Yeah. <laughs> But then I think you should tell them about the text that you got while you were listening yeah, to the Yeah, so this is the funny thing. Um, <clears throat> I got a text while the call was happening uh, from a friend offering me a pretty good gig, short, high-paying thing. Right. Um, and for those who don't know, we're both – Selena and I are both freelancers. Yes. So, so. I think anyone who's listening who's also a freelancer – you kind of need to have faith. Right. You need to figure out how to have faith when there's nothing stable or even on the horizon. Yeah. So I was telling Jeremiah that I definitely, and I still do, but I had 
a bunch of struggles with feeling secure financially over the last couple of years. And what I was telling him was that there would be these moments where I was super at my wits end. I was so nervous and scared that I wasn't going to have enough just for like basic stuff to be real talk. And then I would get like a text from someone being like, hey, I'd love a session or get a check in the mail from like some random, I don't know, government thing that it was like $30 or $60. And I'd be like, hey, there's a little sign. And so it's like this constant process of looking for the little signs, trusting that they're going to show up and then getting more into that kind of like vibration and working on it and like being diligent. And I think the best time to get into it is when you're in a really shitty spot. Yeah. That's where I'm at right now. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But it's the best place to start, I think, because got nothing left to lose. No, no, I'm be, I'm very yeah. beyond that. I'm very beyond that. It's the best exercise in trust. Yeah. That you'll ever have. Yeah, it's deep. It goes to the core. Yeah. Like I've experienced basically terror. Yeah. Yeah. And it's an interesting thing to see how your life shows up for you during those moments. Like mm-hmm. Family, friends, strangers, like, you I'm know. I'm so glad we're talking about this. Yeah. Well, because I think it's something no one really talks about, and especially in, like, the woo-woo world, like, where it's so, like, optimistic and love and light and not. Nah, like, sometimes that's just not how life is, you know? You have no. to pay for your cell phone. <laughs> yeah. And, and also, like, the I had a really in-depth conversation with a couple of friends a couple nights ago about this stuff. And I think there's this common idea that, like, being spiritual is, like, you get to sit on top of this mountain in the sun and, like, (laughs) everything's, like, flowing and everything's perfect. And I actually think, like, being spiritual is going through the struggles, you know? Yeah. Both. Both. But, like... Yeah. I think it depends what kind of environment you've created for your life, right? Like... mm. You can be really spiritual and sit on a mountain and drink tea and meditate if you live in a mountain and you're by yourself and that's the life you want to live. (laughs) (laughs) But if you live in New York City, you know, you can't shut everything out like that. No, I feel. And and remember we were talking about meditation like, whoa, I don't know. There's a bus or truck outside. I don't know if you heard that. (laughs) Agreeing. Um but when we were talking about medit- you know, meditating in New York, I feel like New York is such a – it's like such a training ground. Yeah. I mean, if you can do it here. Well, they said that do about it. <laughs> You literally said that. I and- know, but I totally mean <laughs> You can do it here. You can do it anywhere. <laughs> Holy shit. Um, so. That's funny. Yeah. So, um, real talk. Mm-hmm. Like, I – I left a full-time gig in 2016, and part of the reason I did it was because I think I just had to step more into my authenticity. I I wanted to pursue music more. Right. And uh, I feel like that happens a lot where you sacrifice your authenticity for money. Yes. 100%. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. All the time. But I feel like it's, for some people, that's okay. I know. 
You know what I mean? Like some people are like, that's fine. I can work at a, I don't know, Chase Bank doing their website design, which is, or I don't know, whatever it is where it's not like they're like passionate about it, but it's a job and it's money. And that's totally their, their journey and their path. Mm -hmm. And that's fine. For sure. Or is, I don't know, maybe it's not, maybe it creates a really kind of dumpstery world. Which could be true. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, to to be someone like that, it's nice. You don't have to worry. I don't know. You're you're not thinking about it, or it's not a concern to you. you Yeah, but then I think this thing happens with people around our age, where they're like, "What am I doing with my life?" That has been the fucking thesis statement of my life. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Cause it, cause I think that if you, you kind of have no like purpose, you know, you don't have any passion in your purpose. It's so tied to purpose. Like, Mm -hmm. and I do, I do think that while, while what my bank account looks like would terrify any individual. I um, think mine too. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I do think that taking that leap leaving the job and doing what I needed to do. It has, it taught me all those things like getting help from family and friends and like being humble about it. You know, like I didn't want it. I didn't want to ask for help and learning to receive, learning to ask. So terrifying. Yeah. Cause we're, we're, this culture teaches you to pick yourself up by your own fucking bootstraps Mm -hmm. and not rely on anyone else. And so we're all in these, you know, capitalistic silos yeah, it's the oligarchy. Do you know what that means? Yeah. I'm a <laughs> philosophy master. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I forgot. Um, no, no, no. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I, I've been thinking a lot about, like, capitalism and how it's it almost thrives on us all being separated. So this is what I was telling you before about Caroline Elliott. The, yeah. She's this practicing... Um, I guess which I don't know what is a better term for that in Pennsylvania. And she has all these workshops and she works a lot with money magic. And from what I understand about it, it's sort of using sexual energy to manifest financial prosperity, getting off on like the greediness and the um, kind of like dirtiness of money oh. and using it to your advantage. <laughs> Isn't that nutso? That's interesting. I don't know if I'm actually representing that accurately, but from... I get her emails. Yeah. And um, I read them, and I've listened to some talks. She's done some, like, live streaming kind of talks about, like, sex magic. And, you know, it's not something that I know much about, but I guess it makes sense. Yeah. Well, when you mentioned that, I... I definitely think sex, pleasure, those are things that are actually really important and tied to money. It's also tied to your inner child. So, like, all, all oh. of these things where it's like, uh, you know, when I, when I did this money class with Tosha, she, she did this eight-class um, eight call, uh, eight-call class. <laughs> eight call class? Eight calls. That was, oh, like, eight a calls. class. Yeah. Okay. Um, like a... a this is almost two years ago now. Um, 
And she talks about how, like, money and sex are, like, such big centers of shame. Right. You know? Right. And so, like, us all denying those things is denying abundance, denying flow, deny- denying right. our ability to enjoy. Sex magic. Yeah. Yeah. And I really do think, like, uh, there's this other abundance book I was reading by John Randolph Price. Mm, um, sounds I'm, familiar. I'm forgetting the name of the book, but... He has this, like, 40-day step program or whatever, but he talks about how, like, him and his wife practice this, and sex is a big part of it. Yeah. Like, in order to feel abundant, it's it's important to indulge right. in, in your physicality and right. embrace it and, uh, uh, you know, go for it. The other thing I was thinking was be grateful for it, because I think gratitude is also a massive massive thing and I know personally for me like being in this place and I think you're you were saying the same thing when you get to a place where you're just like at the bone of um you know your kind of financial situation you become incredibly grateful for your family your friends just like yeah you know being able to afford like a sandwich right and getting your like free bodega points yeah we have that at a bodega near me. That's awesome. <laughs> um, but I also think that it's actually the groundwork for manifesting and creating in your life when you're at kind of rock bottom. Mm. Because I feel like that's what happened a bit to me. You know, I started um, consciously journaling, like consciously making lists of like, what I'm grateful for, what kind of like job, what kind of life I want to have and like manifesting that. And then within the last year, those things have come up and I'm like, wow, that was nuts. I did what I said I wanted, you know, and not in like a greedy way, just in a Mm -hmm. way that I could like live my life in a nice, comfortable way. And it's, it's happening now. So yay. Yay. (laughs) But I mean, also sometimes I'm like, oh my God. What's going on? <laughs> but I think it's like an everyday endeavor, you know, if you, cause yes. I notice that if I don't meditate or sit at an altar or, you know, light Palo Santo and like say thank you to my ancestors and getting into my vortex, like then kind of almost very like suddenly I'll like dip down yeah, into like kind of shit and I'll be like, oh fuck. And then I'm like, oh, I have to do this practice every day. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where the work comes in. Yeah, and it's a daily thing. It's, it's a daily thing, yeah. And it gets easier. It gets time. easier because you're more in the flow of it, you know? It's right. not going from like zero to 50, which is like zero is total lack. Mm-hmm. 50, you're like, hmm, I can get a sandwich. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That was a very scientific... Uh, well, you know, I love science. Measure, <laughs> love <measurement>. science. <laughs> yeah, I, I, gratitude is a big part of it. Gratitude is, like, huge, I think. Yeah, and recognizing the small little victories you have, like today. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. You had nothing, and then someone's like, cool, here's this job, and you're like, okay. Mm-hmm. It's something. And being open. So here's something I'm struggling with. Yes. Being open to receiving certain things, certain work, but also honoring 
like my needs and my desires and my authenticity, right? So like you mean So like you don't want to do certain projects that you think are like meh. Right. Oh. What's that cutoff point? I mean, I don't know if there's a clear answer, but I'm just curious what you think about it. I think that when you're in like the dumps, all bets are off. You just say yes. Yeah. Because then I think you learn and you're appreciative when you can say no. And when you can be like, you know mm. what? I did that and I did those jobs and I like did stuff I didn't really want to do. But it got me to a place where I learned from that. I know more. And I think the ability to say no to work is a gift. Totally. And you say, and I, and I also think... It's like in, um, well, it depends if you don't want to do it because, well, it depends why you don't want to work with whoever. Right. Like I won't do house calls anymore. Like go to people's houses and give them acupuncture. Like I used to go like everywhere, like Upper East Side, downtown, like all these places. And it was a total pain in the ass, but I just needed the money. But Mm -hmm. now I'm like, no, I, I won't do that anymore. If you charged more, would you do it? If they had a table. <laughs> oh, right. Right. You got to slap a table. Yeah. You know, like, and I think the longer you practice in whatever you're doing, like you become more of a, your skill is bigger. And so you can be more worthy of your practice. Man, I'm like totally. It, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And for me, it took like five years. You know, now I'm like. I know enough and I feel comfortable enough in what I do to say, you know what, like that is something I don't want to necessarily give my energy to. Mm -hmm. If you want to come to my space, sure. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, like I think that takes True North Healing Arts. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But so I think that's kind of my take on that. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, well, you it know. Was. It was. Ward so Smith. good. Ward Smith. Yeah. But. It's really lightning. Um, I think money will always be an issue because of the world we kind of navigate in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think we can, like, have enough, you know? Yeah. Totally. The worthiness thing is big. Like what you're just saying, and, and like that's what I was experiencing. That's what I've been, I have been experiencing. Is you know, I, I did video for ten years, and music has always been a part of my life. But doing it professionally is much right. more recent. And so, getting to a skill level where you start to feel confident and you start to feel worthy in receiving jobs right. and feeling like I do have something to offer. Yeah. Um, and it's like that beginning part that's like so fucking painful. <laughs> it's it's birthing, you know? It's well, like and it's also so much about um when you have a job that is more of a service or a craft, it depends a lot on other people, right? Other people saying, You're great, I appreciate your work, you are different and unique than someone else. And I think that really ties into our emotional feeling of self-worth versus if you work at, I don't know, in a job where you're at a desk where you can just kind of be behind a screen and a veil, you're not as like a front and center. People aren't 
going to judge you so much by the by your work right. and your worthiness. That's what I struggle with. Like, how am I different? How am I? What do I offer that is different from someone else that practices the same things I do? Yeah. Well, we're all different, though. Yeah. So you do offer something different. Well, you, you have do too. To. Thank you. But you know, I think that comes down to this like worthiness and like. Sometimes I feel like it's um, like a popularity contest at my jobs. Mm. You know, if someone's busier than me, I'm like, what does that mean? Right. <laughs> well, also like certain, you know, different strokes, different folks. Like yeah. there are going to be people who listen to this podcast and be like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever yeah, heard. These people are bozos. <laughs> and this is the most boring <laughs> shit. <laughs> On the internet, and that's that's saying something. Or there's gonna be well, people who are like, I want more. I love Celine and Jeremiah, and they're gonna like. Yeah, that's true. I guess this is also an example of that. But yeah, this yeah. That's big though. That is really big because I think that does also tie into this idea of self worth and authenticity and allowing yourself to just be you and not trying to be like someone else. Yeah, and like like you are unique. You know, I said this, I think it was the last episode where I was like, everyone is different. And like, that's for me, that's divinity. Like the fact that everyone is unique, you embracing your uniqueness is you embracing your divinity. And, um, we've all, you know, been prone to like, try to like copy, you know, someone else or be someone else or like whatever. But I don't know, at least for me, it's about stepping into who you are. And there's so much shit out there that's telling you to conform and telling you to yeah, yeah, to this not embrace your inner worthiness, to do to almost like outsource your worthiness to a company or a whatever right. profession, like social media. Yeah. Though I don't like really get caught up with social media like a lot of people do, you know, where they're like, I can't follow it, I feel FOMO, I get nervous. Other people are having a nice time. I don't care. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's not something. I think we we're also like about. maybe like older. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> maybe I don't when I was know. younger, you know, you see people like party. I, I never cared. Yeah. <laughs> You're just more mature than me. <laughs> <laughs> I think for me, what's what's really complicated my journey is I have my. By the way, I had mentioned gem- my Gemini's in Mars last time, and I falsely attributed Mars to the mind. It is a little bit. The mind is actually more um, uh, Mercury. Is it? Yeah. Um, but Mars, Mars is, is more passions. Yeah, passions and energy and drive. Okay. So having my Gemini in Mars means I'm just like, my passions are literally all over the place. Oh. So being raised, you know, to be... I think now it's almost everyone because everyone is that, you know, I think certain people are more comfortable kind of pursuing like one thing and like being that like one thing. Mm. Um, But I think a lot of people are, you know, many, many. And that was something that I struggled with was embracing the fact that I like doing a lot of different things. I like doing music. I like doing video. Sometimes I like, this podcast. I like talking yeah. about spirituality. Well, I also think that we live much longer than we used to, right? So we almost have many lives in one lifetime, oh, right? A billion percent. We're like, you know, I used to work in PR, horrible at it. 
I used to work at a record label. Also not great. You know, like that's... Let's talk about our jobs. Oh my God, yes. (laughs) I worked at, um, right after college, I worked at a PR firm. And I think this is in a nutshell what was just top notch. So you have to do cold calling, right? Oh my God, it's the worst thing. It's really the worst. And I'm just like not a bullshitter. If I like, if I'm not into it, I can't... That's hysterical. Well, it's even even better because I had to cold call... This product called Vibrel, which doesn't exist anymore, which is basically a female um, Viagra. (laughs) At 22, I'd have to call reporters and talk about how Vibrel worked for vaginal dryness in older women. (laughs) You're blowing my mind right now. It's it's something to this day that my entire family and extended family (laughs) still make fun of me for. It was it was crazy. I did it for a year. I knew um, the owner, and he was like, you know, this isn't really working. And I was like, I know. This is just, like, not a good fit. This was right after college? Yeah. Uh. And then I worked at a French record label that was... What label? um, George V. Records. They actually do the Buddha Bar. You know the Buddha Bar? That sounds familiar. The Buddha Bar is, like, these, like, lounge bars they have all over the world. And they actually have their own record label. And so I worked in the New York office doing like a little bit of sales and then managing the office. But it was all these hot French dudes who ran it and all these like attractive supermodel women would come in and they would just rip butts in the office. And I would just be like, what am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> and then That's I a went cool to job. It was kind of cool. Um, and then you went to acupuncture school. And then I went to acupuncture school. Well, how old are you? Um, 25, 6. Okay. So you've been doing it for a while. Wait, is that true? I think that's the right age. Yeah. Between, oh I can't really remember. Isn't that weird? Uh, all right. Here's my, here's my Here job history. Yeah. Um, I'm going to do like all of it just because oh. it's kind of fun. Okay. Okay. You want to, you want to go, uh, go back further? The only like fun one I have was when I was in either college or end of high school, I worked at a bathing suit store in Greenwich, Connecticut, which was oh. a nightmare. Yeah. Greenwich. Greenwich. And then bathing suits for women. Imagine that, like one of the most complex body image issues <laughs> in the world. And then here was some like goober being like, it looks great. That was tough. Yeah. Um, it worked a lot in retail, I think. Nothing's really like funnier than oh, the man, retail. But and like I was a barista. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think it's key to work in service. I never oh, did restaurant. Never did? No, no, no. I can't. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I did it for like a year and a half. It does. It just makes you, you know, you understand service and like you're a waiter or waitress. I dated people. Same difference, right? Yeah. And they taught me. (laughs) I was a 15% tipper until my very good friend who years ago we dated, um, Allison, she was a waitress and she was like, "Uh uh-uh. No. 20%. Yeah. I mean, you don't know till you know, right? Yeah. Okay. You go. Okay. 
Uh, teenage years, uh, because I was a punk rocker, Oof. I worked at Sam Goody at the Garden State Plaza Stop. in New Jersey. Stop. <laughs> the mall was so big Sam that there were two Sam Goodies. <laughs> there was the big one oh on one side of the mall, and then I worked at the small one. The boutique one. So our, our Sam Goody was all about customer service oh because we needed to make ourselves stand out because the other Sam Goody had all the selection. Sam Goody. <laughs> and like the store was really small. It was probably like 20 by like 15. It was tiny. Tiny. Yeah. And I got employee of the month. <laughs> of course. And, you and did. I got paid. It was like minimum wage. It was like five twenty five an hour. Like you were employee like, of the month at Sam Goody. Oh yeah. That should be like in a bio somewhere. That's You're right. Good. That's pretty good. It's so hard writing your bio, but that's exactly <laughs> the line I know I should do. Um I did that, and then okay. I worked at the little. So, like during college, I worked at the Jewish Theological Seminary. Step up there, huh? Jew buddy? alert! Jew alert! Um, <laughs> I worked at the library, which was fucking awesome. I love libraries. It was awesome. They're magnificent. Places. It was quiet. Mm. I could listen to music while I like shelved books. Could read everything you want. I worked with uh, my sister Jessica and my friend Malachi, who is just like a ball. Like sounds a, awesome. One of the most fun people I worked with. I actually worked with him later on at Tommy Hilfiger. What? Yeah. So wait, I'm jumping okay. ahead. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> I just got very excited. <laughs> so yeah. So I did that until through college. And then after college, I, I know I'm missing shit, but after college, I really had a hard time finding work. This was 2005. And on Craigslist, I randomly found a courier delivery job. Oh my god, you were a bike messenger? No, van. Oh. <laughs> I had so we had our band van and so they were, it was basically like they were looking for a man with a van who could just like drive around and like deliver packages. Where what city are we in? This is uh Orangeburg, New York. So it's like like that? very south New York state right like by Did the border check? of New Jersey. Okay. And okay. I used to like go back and forth on the Tappan Zee. Okay. Um, that's very weird. Yeah, until I got into an accident. And what's crazy was, is I literally, like two weeks before I got into the accident, it was fine. It was a, it was a fender bender. Oh. Um, totally my fault, but the Sawmill Parkway is like the worst place. Um, but like maybe a week or two before it happened, I was like, I'm driving a lot every day. That raises my chances of getting into an accident. And I just mm. like, it just happened. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I'm sure I created it for myself. Definitely. Yeah. You definitely attracted that. What was nice about that job, though, is I got to listen to, like, NPR all day. and. Did you get paid so... well? I feel like that's not a good paying job. Eh, I was living at home at the time. So it, it was just, really like, matter. something. Okay. And then I was a administrative assistant at a employee assistance program. So I was basically an, an administrative assistant for social workers. Oh. But the employee assistance program was housed in a law firm. That's act this sounds kind of cool. Yeah. It's weird. It was cool. It was very chill. I was able to just like You were just like a follow Yankee person. blogs at the time. I was really a, a big Yankee fan at the time. <laughs> <laughs> I was really into like I like discovered a lot of new music when I worked at a desk job. Those are the perks. Yeah, I was like this is a cool new band and I'd like send it to friends. Mm. You know? Good Facebook profile pictures. Well, yeah, for me, that admin job 
during that admin job was when I was like, I want to be a philosophy uh, teacher. Um, and I, I see you doing that still. I started studying for the GREs during, like, while I was at that job, huh. you know? There'd be t- days where it'd be, be slow and I would just be able to do, like, practice tests. Hmm. And then I went to grad school. Oh. But when did Tommy come into the picture? After grad school, I was freelancing, doing, like, film editing. For Tommy? But no, 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 no. I was just, like, trying to make ends meet. So okay. I was in that, like, one of those, like, I need to make fucking money. Sure. Yes to anything. Yes. And my good friend, uh, Ariel. She was working at Tommy full time and was like, we actually need like some stock boys. So like me and Malachi <laughs> would work at the Tommy building and we actually worked at Macy's during Christmas. Ugh. Harold Square that Macy's. Sounds like it sounds like nightmare zone. You had fun. You liked it. Nuts. Well, I was working with Malachi. It was fun. I like that name, Malachi. Yeah. We're Jewy. Jeremiah Malachi. Jillian always makes fun of us. Our friend Malachi, Jillian. Malachi just reminds me of crystals. Why? Oh, wait. Malachite. Never mind. It's close. Yeah. Yeah. All of my friends are like Jewy names. Malachi, David, Noah. No. Well. Josh. Yeah. Daniel. Daniel. It's very Old Testament. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, religion. Anyway. So, yeah, I did a bunch of... And then, and then I started doing freelance editing stuff, and then eventually I got, I got the Etsy gig. Yeah. Huh. And then here we are. And here we are. <laughs> you know what's nice about talking about that? I I would I would encourage everyone to like think back on the jobs you did and then like look at where you are now. Cuz right. there's something about it that like almost releases your attachment to like what you're doing. Well, I think it changes your perspective on to see how far you've come from where you were, right? Yeah. Like and I think a lot of times when we're in a little like downward dumpster hole you just focus on all the things you don't have versus like if you think about, okay, you know, five years ago I was doing X, Y, Z and now I'm doing something that I kind of set off to do and sure it has its struggles, but like it's super gratifying and I'm in the right place at the right time. Totally. Gratitude. Gratitude. Yeah. I feel that all the time. I mean, regardless of how difficult things have been every day that I come into the studio I, like, literally thank everything. I'm, like, so grateful to have this space. I don't always do it, but I but I do try. Well, I mean, you don't have to do it every day. I, I, oh. I'm sure I don't do it every single day, but I, I feel yeah. very connected to... And, and it's the perspective of working those other jobs where you're, like, that just increases your gratitude. Yeah. For, you, you already said that, but I'm just saying it again. Did I say that? I don't know. Well, I meant it internally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I also taught yoga. I forgot to mention that. Oh, no way. Yeah. Before I went to acupuncture school, um, I did a yoga teacher training. Cool. Yeah. In Baja. I lived in a tent on the beach. I just really got in touch with what I'm about. That's what's cool about, um, I think, doing yoga teacher trainings. I mean, besides learning how to teach, like, to be a teacher, you have to be kind of self-aware and deal with your own shit a good teacher a good teacher (laughs) (laughs) and so I think that kind and so I actually did that right before I started acupuncture school and I think the timing of it was not coincidental like it really allowed me to go into the space of learning and learning how to be a practitioner with that kind of background of 
the yoga and like satya, which is the practice of sitting with people and you kind of just discuss, I don't know, any struggles you have and just being able to talk about it, like I think really paved the way for that kind yeah, of acupuncture stuff. Yeah. Did you ever imagine yourself wanting to do acupuncture? No. Was, no. It was never like I wasn't like, oh man, I'm eleven. I'm, yeah. I'd love to be an acupuncturist. <laughs> yeah. I thought a lot about um, becoming a therapist and, you know, I just didn't want to go through like eight years of school. Mm -hmm. And so acupuncture is a balance between therapy and actual the physicality of what's happening. And also sometimes not talking and just using the acupuncture and like the needles and certain sort of like techniques is a lot more powerful than actually talking. So a lot of people can't actually manifest and express themselves in a way that they're actually feeling. I've learned. Oh, totally. So they hold it in their body and you're like, okay, you know, yeah. Stomach issues, a lot of emotional unrest, back tension, also stress. So it's taught me a lot about that. The this physicality. Is, this is turning into a twofer, by the way. I we know. Got, it's a money slash acupuncture I know. episode. It's good. We're really, we're really crushing it. Yeah. Um, that's so, so yeah. that's so interesting. I, I really, because I am, and I'm not like gloating, I am really good at speaking. Yeah. So, you know, it took me a while to realize like some people don't, they, no. they can't verbalize mm -mm. and it's not a bad thing. It's just, that's not their mode of communication. Mm -mm. Oh, man. But a lot, you know, people do it differently through, like, music, right? Totally. Or writing or even, like, exercise. It's a form of just communicating how you feel. Dance. Painting, dancing. Yeah. But um, I do think it's sort of a lost art, how to communicate. I love talking on the phone. That's rare. Not everybody likes doing that, you know? Oh, interesting. Just, like, talking to other people. Yeah. Or listening. And like, yeah, having a conversation. <laughs> See with the people. world we live in. No one fucking <laughs> yeah. listens to each other. Yeah, because no one knows how. Like, we're not. Think about when we were little. We would like go play outside and make believe and like run around or whatever. But like now, little kids like play Dora the Explorer video games. Like, you're not socializing with other humans the way that I think we did. Yeah. Which is, I mean, it would be interesting to see the new. How, how that manifests. Yeah. Hopefully it'll be cool. Hopefully the world will still be around too. Um, yeah. On the 60 degree day in February, <laughs> this is just totally nuts. Yeah. It's not a good vibe. Um, but here we are <laughs> <laughs> talking about a bunch of things. <laughs> um, we're at 40 minutes. Should we wrap it up? Yeah. Yeah. We don't need to force it. No. Yeah. All right. Should we do some kind of like oh, I didn't final think about thingy? That. Uh, okay. I have one. Okay. All right. Here's your daily practice. Super simple. You've heard it before. It's not unique. Just wake up and think about one thing you're grateful for. That's actually really nice. That's it. Just one thing. Don't make a whole list. Don't you know, put yourself through a whole craziness. Just wake up. What are you grateful for? One thing is a nice thing. 
I agree. All right. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed this little rigmarole. Yeah. And um, we'll be back with another episode. Yep. Bye. Bye. Bye.